Thank you, guys. Would you help me in just saying thank you to you two? (laughs) We look forward to we look forward to hearing what that entails. And just know now we have one more person we can stay with in Nashville. So let me just keep that in front of you. We try to see the positives in these transitions. Hey, I too just want to kind of echo something Caitlin said. Just thank you for your generosity, your participation in in the kind of financial life of our church. As she said, that your giving has enabled us to do some very creative things in children's ministry, and we look forward to doing that in the new year. But of course, for us to really launch into the new year well, we really want to finish this year strong. And so I just want to encourage you, particularly those of you that are part of our church family, just to consider how you can help us finish the year strong. The challenge we put before you is is to double in December, to double your giving, whatever that looks like. Now, for some of us, I realize that's a stretch. For others of us, we can can do that. For others of us, we're we're really able to do more than that. But I would just encourage you to, to just prayerfully consider how you can be a part of helping us finish well as we, we're going to be taking some new steps in our mission and vision next year. But it, to do that well, we, we need to be in this together. So encourage you just to consider what that's going to look like for you. Rose and I will have that conversation this week. And I want you to join us in taking that step as we end the year. Now, obviously, as, as we come to the end of the year, we're going, we're going through the Christmas season. This is a season that is always filled with different traditions, different, different unique parts of, of our calendar come with this season, right? They're, they're traditions that are part of this experience, the lights, the food, the music, <coughs> excuse me, the Christmas Eve services, their Christmas programs. And for most of us, you're going to spend more time with friends and family this season, right? It's just a season when we spend more time with people. And as you do that, I want to remind you this morning of something that we've seen as we've gone through the book of Acts. And what we've seen as we've gone through the book of Acts is this. When you become a follower of Christ, you're not simply brought into a new relationship. You're not simply brought into a new community. You're brought into the ongoing work of God's mission. And so this this is a great season, a great time of year when we celebrate the birth of Jesus just to talk with other people about who Jesus is. I mean, you, you know, just to have interesting conversations. Maybe let's start this, this way. So what, what do you really enjoy about Christmas? What makes Christmas meaningful to you? And just see where the conversation goes. Now, as a church, we, we want to really provide opportunities to kind of help you connect with people and kind of bridge connections between Christianity and people in your network. This is one of the reasons why we're doing the movie night we've got coming up, why we have multiple Christmas Eve services. These are great connection points, and I just want to encourage you uh, to uh, utilize them in inviting people to join us. But in thinking about this season as an opportunity for conversation, we're going to do something a little different as we move toward Christmas over the next couple of weeks. We're, We're going to talk about conversations in the Gospels. And we're just calling this Christmas conversations. Even as I think we should understand this as an opportunity this time of year to talk about Jesus, we're going to pay attention to several conversations in Scripture. 
And the first is found in John chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to John chapter 1. Now in the Gospel of John, as John introduces us to Jesus, he really begins with the ministry of John the Baptist. Right? John the Baptist was really this, this colorful prophet, right, who was preaching and teaching along the Jordan River. He was baptizing people. He was really leading what you might call a renewal movement. And yet, in the midst of that movement, he was always telling people that his job was simply to come and anticipate the one who was actually coming to fulfill God's promises. And when Jesus arrives on the scene, John begins telling people, hey, that's the guy. That's the guy. And it turns out some of the people who had been drawn into John's movement will become the earliest followers of Jesus. So with that in mind, let's pick up the narrative kind of in the middle of John chapter 1, beginning in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? (laughs) Can anything good come from there? Nathanael said. Well, come and see, Philip said. Now, as you read this, remember this is a time when this region was under Roman control, Roman occupation. And they were having to deal with that reality, yet there was still this flickering hope that, you know, one day God was going to fulfill these amazing promises that we read about in the Old Testament, that God would bring about deliverance and rescue and salvation. And not surprisingly, then, from the very earliest moments when Jesus steps onto the public stage, there's this fascination with him. Perhaps he is the one coming to fulfill those ancient promises. Consequently, after interacting with Jesus, what does Philip do? He he just immediately invites others, right? Hey, Nathaniel, you've got to come. Look, you've got to come and hear this guy. You've got to come and meet this guy. Really, he's the one that that we've been talking about, that that we read about in the pages of Scripture. And, and, And in some sense, it's interesting. Really, at this point, Philip doesn't understand who Jesus is. And yet, even at this point, he's he's already being drawn into this mission, even as you and I can be as we become followers of Jesus. (laughs) But then there's Nathaniel, right? And let's be honest, it's not a particularly positive response. In fact, at one level, it seems condescending. But actually, I, I don't think this is surprising. You see, the other guys in the story are from kind of the northern region of Galilee. They come from areas around the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, areas that were vibrant economically, areas that really were a crossroads for trade and travel. This was the area that was the center of the fishing industry in the Sea of Galilee, which was an economic engine in Israel at this point. So they're from places where there's just lots going on. Nazareth is a different story. 
Nazareth is in western Galilee. Nazareth is just one of those out-of-the-way places that nobody goes to. In fact, at this time, Nazareth is, is starting to become overshadowed by a booming area, a booming city that's just down the road called Sepphoris. That's where the action is. That's where all the growth is happening. Nazareth, what can come out of Nazareth? My guess is for some of us, we come from places like Nazareth. Is that right? Some of us, maybe we come from those out-of-the-way places it kind of seemed like the place where nobody goes to, nothing ever happens there. Maybe that's part of your story. If that's part of your story, understand I can really relate to it. Please remember I lived in Fargo, North Dakota for nine years. Do you know what it's like telling people you're from Fargo? Some of you, you know, when you're from one of these out-of-the-way backwater places, you just kind of get weird looks, right? Yeah, really. I think it's a defense mechanism when I would tell people that, and over and over again, when I would travel, I'd get these weird looks. Really? Fargo? I, as a defense mechanism, I would, I would just say stuff like, yeah, people really live there. Haven't you heard of the Witness Protection Program? <laughs> right? You know? And so if you, if, you come, if you come from one of those kind of out-of-the-way backwater places, nothing ever happens there, you can relate to what Nathaniel is saying here. Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? Can anything of relevance or importance come from a backwater place like this? That's what Nathaniel was saying. It's interesting, right? Kind of a, it's an interesting conversation at this point. Now, obviously, it's a very different setting, but, but there's something we need to pay attention to here. There's something at work underneath his question that still is very much at work today for many people. And the factor I'm talking about is this, is skepticism, right? From the very early moment, Nathaniel was skeptical of Jesus. He was skeptical that anything of significance could come, could come from Nazareth. And today... I think for many people, there, there's, there's just a, a similar sort of mindset, a similar sort of response, right? For some, you know, we go through the Christmas season, and there are people that would say, you know what, I love the Christmas season, I love the music, I love the activity, I love the lights. I love the fact that we, you know, people talk more about peace and joy and goodwill to others. I love the fact there's that Salvation Army bell ringer, you know, people do good things for others during the season. I love all that. But I'm not really interested in Christianity. And for some, I think that for some, that, that skepticism is rooted in personal experience. Maybe that's for you. I grew up in church. I got hurt by the church. I got hurt by people in the church. And that, that's just shaped your outlook. I look at Christianity, it seems to be anti-science. I don't like the way Christians talk about issues such as sexuality, politics, sexual orientation. So there's some that, right? You're just skeptical. And furthermore, I think for a number of people these days, the bottom line is this. It's not so much that, that I'm opposed to Christianity. It's just I don't see the relevance 
If that works for you, that's great. But it seems disconnected from my life, from my experience. And in a real sense, people are still asking the same question. They're just wording it differently. Can anything good, can anything relevant to me, can anything truly significant come from Nazareth? Maybe, maybe there are people in your life, friends, family, kids, co-workers, neighbors, and this, this is basically their outlook. Maybe this is where you're at, right? Maybe you, you would say, George, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing here. You know, like it's great you do these things for families. I really appreciate that. We need to give our kids a good moral foundation. I get all that, but maybe you would say, but George, the rest of it I just don't get. I don't see what it has to do with me. So, what's our response to this? I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, what's your response to those people in your life that maybe this is where they're at? Or if you're, you're, if you're in this place, if you're standing with Nathaniel asking, asking this question, what's the, what's the response to you? Well, notice, notice the rest of the conversation. What does Philip say? Come and see. Come and see. Yeah, I love this, right? Philip is not defensive. He's not obnoxious. He's not argumentative. He's not antagonistic. He just says, oh, okay. I get you got, I get, yeah, I get you're skeptical. I, I know the whole Nazareth thing. Yeah, it really is a backwater. I get all that. Would you just come and see? Would you just check him out for yourself? And can I say to you, if you're, if you're really standing with Nathaniel, first of all, I'm glad you're here and glad you're joining us. I realize you don't necessarily always agree with what you hear here, but I, I appreciate you giving us the time and, and listening to me. So if, if you're standing here with Nathaniel, first of all, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for being part of this conversation. But secondly, I, I, I just want to say, I want you to hear the invitation that Philip gives because it's, it's really my invitation to you. Come and see. Come and see. Check it out for yourself. Now, I realize at, at this point, a natural response is, is why? Right? Come and see. If that's the invitation. Why would I even do that? Why would I take the time? Why should I pay attention to this invitation? Now, there, there are different ways to answer that question, so I'm just going to give you maybe one. And to give you the answer to the why question, I want to tell you the story of this guy. This is Tom Holland. He is a British author and 
or actually a British historian, but also as a historian, an award-winning author. And as he describes his own life story, here's the way he, he tells part of his church background. As a kid, his mom took him to church every Sunday. He remembers that. They were very, you know, faithful in church. He still remembers as a kid, you know, having to do his prayers at night. And and that was just part of his routine. But as he got older, you know, you you get older, you start to have doubts. And the way he describes it, the kind of the, the shadow of doubt darkened as he became older. And he just kind of walked away from all that. He started pursuing his career and doing other things, and that which had been part of his childhood, he left behind in his childhood. But as he tells his life story, he says, something changed over the last couple of decades. Because you see, in his academic work, and his research and writing, he initially spent a good number of years focusing on the ancient world. The world of Greece, the world of Rome. And here's what he came to understand. He came to understand that even though he kind of walked away from Christianity, the values that had really shaped his life, the values that he aspired to, you know, like valuing human dignity and freedom and responsibility, what he came to understand was those values ultimately weren't rooted in the ancient world, in Greece and Rome. Those values were rooted in Christianity. In fact, here's, let me just give you a quote. He says, assumptions that I had grown up with about how a society should properly be organized and the principles that it should uphold, they were not bred of classical antiquity, still less of human nature, but very distinctly of that civilization's Christian past. And he was so intrigued by this reality that he ultimately wrote a book about this truth. The book is called Dominion, subtitled How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. Now he's not he, he, he doesn't claim to be a Christian, but what he does argue is this. You and I live in a world that has been deeply influenced, deeply shaped by Christianity. And it's important that we understand that. So maybe part of my invitation to you, if you'd say, yeah, I really kind of reckon, recognize Nathaniel's question. You know, why should we take this seriously? Well, I think part of the reason is this. Even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you've been more deeply influenced by Christianity than you realize. Because you live in a world, a culture, that still marks the imprint of Christian belief. Let me give you one example. Uh, Let's go back to uh, earlier this year. Go back to February 24th. That was the day the Russian armed forces invaded Ukraine. Let me ask you this question. So when that happened, what was was your kind of gut-level response to seeing footage and photographs of Russian forces moving into the Ukraine? Furthermore, over time, as more information has come out, we've, we've had to come to grips with various Russian atrocities 
as civilians have been displaced, captured, tortured, killed. How did you, what was your, how did you respond to that? What did you think about that? My guess is for most of us at some point, there's just been a deep sense of anger, injustice. I realize we're not following this story as closely as we did earlier in the year. Yet there's still this recognition that something is wrong, right? You can't go and just invade another country on dubious grounds. This country has a right to exist. These people have a right to live in freedom. We value that. We cherish that. For us, it's a given. We believe in human rights. We believe that everyone has rights that shouldn't be violated. But where where did that sense of equality, where did that sense of freedom come from? It wasn't present in the ancient world. At the core of ancient thinking, the underlying assumption was inequality. That's just the way things are. We're not the same. Some people are born into slavery. They're to be treated differently. That was the underlying assumption of the ancient world. Interestingly, sometimes when people describe the structures of ancient society and talk about things like slavery, they'll say, well, you know, when you read these ancient philosophers, ancient authors like Plato and Aristotle, they defend slavery. (laughs) But in a real sense, that's not accurate. They didn't defend slavery because slavery was never under attack. It was simply assumed that this is natural. This is the way things are. And that's the way the ancient world worked. So what changed? What changed in Western history? Christianity. Right rooted in the storyline that the biblical narrative is the reality we're created in God's image, that we have value and dignity. And the storyline of Scripture explains God's unfolding plan to bring about restoration, forgiveness, and renewal to people that have been broken by sin. A plan ultimately fulfilled through the work of Jesus Christ. It's a plan to restore what the biblical writers describe as shalom, wholeness, human flourishing. And now, even as we are in the season of Advent, even as we're moving towards Christmas, we are celebrating the birth of the one who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You see, if, even if you have no affiliation with Christianity, you've, you've been influenced more than you realize. Larry Seidentrop is a political philosopher who's written a history of understanding individual rights. And he argues it's Christianity that has taught us the equality of humans. That's where that idea is rooted. So why do, why do you take this seriously? Why should you take this invitation seriously? Why, why should your friends, maybe, who just don't get the point, why should they take this invitation seriously to come and see? 
Because all of us have been influenced by Christianity more than we realize. Now in saying that, I think it's also important to say this. While you may know the influence of certain Christian values, you need to understand that these values are rooted deeply in a particular story. You see, the Bible isn't simply good advice. It's good news. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. So so the invitation to come and see is ultimately an invitation to come and see who Jesus is, to see the one whose birth we celebrate at this time of year, to see the one whose life provides the opportunity for us to be reconnected with God, to experience forgiveness and experience new life. You've been influenced by the ongoing legacy of Christianity, but it's important to understand that all of that is rooted deeply in a particular story about Jesus. So why do we need to take this invitation seriously? Why do your friends need to take it seriously? Because you've already been influenced by Christianity in ways you don't fully understand or appreciate. So if that's the invitation, if there are reasons to take it seriously, maybe the next question (laughs) is how? How do I respond to that invitation? Well, let's continue reading in the passage. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. What is fascinating here is, so here's this guy, right, who had all the doubts. Here's the guy with the condescending attitude about anything coming out of Nazareth. But as the scene, as the scene unfolds, he approaches nonetheless, right? He, he takes the invitation to come and see. And I think this is part of the reason Jesus looks at him and says, <laughs> here's an Israelite in, in whom there's no guile. Here's... Here's one who's really willing to explore and to be open to what he sees and what he learns. And of course, um, Nathaniel uh, then says, well, well how, do you, how do you know me? And, and Jesus alludes to something that has happened in his life recently under a fig tree. And of course, we don't, <laughs> we don't know what that is. In fact, I, I actually think this is, this is an argument for the fact that this scene is based on eyewitness testimony. Because if you were just going to make that up, you would fill in the details, right? You would fill in what happened under the fig tree that they both know about, but we don't. Because in some sense, the way it's written now, it feels a bit like a distraction. But, but this is eyewitness testimony. This is what happened. We don't know all the details. And so at that response, Nathaniel then starts to say, oh, wow, maybe you really are the son of God. And and of course, Jesus at this point realizes he still does, he's, not, he's not going to know who I am yet. 
There's much more for him to learn, and that's what the last part of this passage anticipates. You're going, you are going to learn so much more about me and who I am and what I'm doing. But as you look at how this scene unfolds, maybe what I really want you to pay attention to is, despite the skepticism, Nathaniel embraces the invitation. Now for him, that entailed, right, coming and seeing physically. What does it look like for us today to embrace that invitation? For those of us, for our friends who stand here asking the same kind of questions that Nathaniel asked, what, is it, what does it look like for us, even in the midst of our questioning, to embrace that invitation? Well, let me just highlight two, two things very quickly. First of all, I think, I think you need to be open. And I think part of, part of being open is being, being really willing to evaluate your own beliefs. Right? When, you, when you're, you know, maybe you said, I've never given Christianity a lot of thought or just it seems irrelevant. I get that. But have you ever given your own attitudes and beliefs serious scrutiny? Let, let me just raise a couple of questions. According to your approach to life, what grounds human dignity and our obligation to care for others? Right? According to your view, I mean, if, for instance, if the world really is just a random reality and there's, there's no creative genius behind it and there's no creator who stands above it, what, why should we recognize human dignity? Why should we have an obligation to care for others? Again, in the ancient world, the assumption was we don't. People are born differently, you treat them differently. So according to your view, what, what really grounds human dignity and our obligation to others? Kind of along the same lines, according to your approach to life, what motivates people to act just, justly and responsibly? I mean, are these simply created cultural norms that can change? Or is there something deeper at work that, that our sense of justice taps into? And then finally, let me ask you this one. According to your approach to life, is there any ultimate hope? Uh, This week, uh, Rose and I, we were going through Christmas cards, and um, that's always kind of a fun time of year for us, getting cards and Christmas letters, updates from people elsewhere. And so we got this one card, and we opened it, and normally there is a Christmas letter in it, right? Normally... When these people send us a card, there's a, there's a letter, and it's got, you know, personal updates, and usually there are photos, often vacation photos. They're printed on this Christmas letter. It's a pretty vivid, it's a pretty vivid Christmas letter. But this year, we, we opened the card, and there was, there was no letter. There was a slip of paper. And the slip of paper said this. No Christmas letter this year. It's been a grim year. I hope yours was better. Now, candidly, we're going to follow up just to find out a little bit more about what's going on. But maybe, maybe you've had a year like that. 
right? Because at some point, life is this hard. At some point, things don't go according to plan. And even, you know, even in just recently, just in my network of friends, there's just, there's just a lot of hurt right now. I think about two friends my age, one in Texas, one in the United Kingdom. Both seem to be of good health, but they're both now dealing with the early stages of Parkinson's. I think about a friend of ours in North Dakota who got married this fall and had gone through 75 days of marriage. And on day 76, her husband had a massive stroke and died. We, we, live, in, we live in a world that is broken, as the scripture tells, and that means at times life hits us with the unexpected. At times life hits us with the tragic and the hard. So where do, where do you find hope in that? Do you have a sense of ultimate hope? So I would, I would encourage you and or encourage people in your friend group as you have conversations, just kind of encourage people to, hey, so have you ever really wrestled with kind of understanding your own beliefs and how they are grounded and, and how they're operative? So I'd encourage you to be open. The second thing that I would say is this, not only be open, but also be curious. And by that, I mean, just be willing to learn more. And I think that was, this was, this, right, this was Nathaniel. I mean, he's got all these questions. Anything good come from Nazareth, but he's still going to come and see. I'm still open to learning. And with that in mind, let, let me just highlight a couple of things for you, uh, just in the life of our church, that, you know, if you're exploring, if you're asking questions, you'd just like to know more, or if there are people in your life that, that you know, that are kind of over here with Nathaniel, just with kind of skepticism, but they're willing to explore. Let me just, let me highlight a couple of things for you. First of all, um, let me remind you that we offer something called Alpha, and Alpha is a a multi-week journey where we get to explore questions about Christianity and just ask Ask good questions and have good conversation. It's, it's an engaging, safe, open environment. You can find out more on our website as we get closer to the date. And the next offering of Alpha will begin on January 19th. And maybe that's something for you to come to. Maybe that's something that could really be beneficial, meaningful, interesting to somebody that you know. Furthermore, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about our next message series. Because as we begin the new year, we're going, to con- we're going to continue our journey kind of through the, through the story of early Christianity and the early church. But we're going to transition from the book of Acts to the, the writings of Paul the Apostle. And as we kind of just briefly survey these letters, kind of hitting one part of a letter each week, uh, we are going to see the way the Apostle Paul applies the message of Christ to different issues and different circumstances. And, and this can really be a good way just to explore the, the message and the meaning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you, if you, you are, you know, you, you've got questions, you're uncertain, but you're willing to explore, that I would just encourage you to kind of jump in and join us. We've got a devotional guide that we'll begin making available next week. And so even if, even if you say, yeah, but I'm, I've got questions. I don't always agree with what you're saying. I'm not sure what I think. That's fine. 
but we want you to know you're welcome. And we also want you to know we'd love, if you've got questions along the way, we would love to hear them. And it's okay if you disagree or you're coming from a different perspective. We'd love to have that conversation. I would love to have that conversation. So when you've got questions or when we're going to be going through this series and maybe you've got questions, just, just let me know. You can contact me directly. Um, G. Davis at HersheyFree.com. We have a contact page on our website where you can send questions. And so we would love to hear from you, even if you disagree. Because we want this to be a place where we can have this kind of dialogue, where you can explore, where good conversation can take place. Along those lines, I was talking with Nick Nance, who leads our core ministry, our student ministry, and we were just talking about the importance of asking questions. One of our, our core group, small groups, is had the habit of just they continue to develop a long list of questions that they want to talk about and they'd like to hear answers on. And that that list is growing and there's some really deep questions on the list. There's some different kinds of questions on the list, like why are some chicken nuggets shaped like dinosaurs? We're still working on an answer to that one. But, you know, but it's important for our students to have the freedom to ask questions because that's... That's the kind of place we want to be, to provide space for people to explore. So my challenge to you, my challenge to those of us who maybe find ourselves in conversations is just to encourage people to be curious, to be open, to learn, and perhaps take advantage of these kinds of opportunities. Very quickly, let let me also, I know some of us are readers and we enjoy book resources. Let me highlight two books for you. Uh, First, I realize for some of us, we would say, George, you've been talking about being skeptical, but it sounds like you're talking about people who are not Christians who have questions, but I'm a follower of Christ, and, and I have questions. And I think the truth is, some of us just by nature are more skeptical than others. And maybe at times as a follower of Christ, you feel guilty about that, or you feel uncertain about that. It always feels like you're the person in your small group that's got more questions than everybody else. Um, This is a book I've really appreciated. It's called The Skeptical Believer by Daniel Taylor and telling stories to your inner atheist. And uh, he writes as someone who, you know, is just skeptical, as someone who's skeptical by nature. So that's one book that I would recommend. A second book that I would recommend that really deals with the way Christianity has influenced our culture, even though we're not always aware of it, is this newer book called The Air We Breathe by Glenn Srivener, and the subtitle, how we, can, how we All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality. So it's a fascinating look at the way Christianity has left its imprint on the culture in which we live, even though we don't fully understand it. So Nathaniel has this great conversation. And he raises these questions, right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? He was skeptical, he was uncertain, but he was also curious. And so he was willing to respond to this invitation. Come and see. Come and see. The invitation was significant then, And that invitation still stands today. Come and see. Come and see. Let's pray together. 
Gracious God, as we open the pages of Scripture, we come across conversations like this, and it's clear throughout the Gospels, people they had all sorts of questions about Jesus. People were coming from all sorts of angles, all sorts of places. And so here's Nathaniel, who's really coming from a place of questioning, of skepticism, really rooted in kind of his understanding of Nazareth and all that that entailed. And while that's a different situation, I think for some of us, we, we come from a similar place. Likewise, for some of us, we've got friends and family, and we're in conversations with people who kind of come from a similar place. Often, people who aren't necessarily opposed or antagonistic, we, we just don't see the point. We, we just really wonder, can anything good, can, can anything relevant and meaningful come from Nazareth? And so, Father, first of all, I pray for those who are listening, who are here, who are joining us online, or watching this on YouTube, and I pray for those who, who maybe at the core of who they are really resonate with Nathaniel's question. And if that's the case, again, I thank them. I'm just thankful that they're joining us. They're willing to have this interaction. But I also pray they would hear the invitation to come and see. Father, likewise, there's some of us who are in this journey of following Jesus and there are people in our lives that have those kinds of questions. People in our lives who, who perhaps engage Christianity is, is interesting but irrelevant. And Father, may we be attuned to, to the conversations that we can have even this Christmas season, just about the meaning of Christmas, just, uh, just inviting people, if they'd like to know more, to have that conversation. May may we be attuned to the ways we can be those people in the lives of others who are living out this invitation to come and see. Come and see. So we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. At this time, I'm going to invite members of our prayer team to be here at the front and we, we want you to know that we would, we would if, whatever's going on in your life, even if you know, there are people that you're really burdened for this time of year, if we can pray with you about that. We want you to know that we are here to share with you in prayer, to encourage you through prayer. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. Now as you go, now as we move toward Christmas, as we move toward the celebration of Christ's birth, May we go hearing the words of this powerful invitation. Come and see. Come and see. Amen.